All right, it's the MGO Fish Podcast. I'm your host, David Arnold. With me tonight, uh, I got two awesome guests. You know, Stephen Ostentoski over in one corner. Uh, one of the regulars on this podcast. Uh, the main regular for the past six months or so. And on the other side, in the corner of the ring, we've got a third host, I think maybe for the first time ever in this show. Uh, we've got Harry Hillman over there. He was on this past week, bringing him back for another trial. And we're going to see how it goes. Do you think you're up for the task, Harry? I sure hope so. Well, we, right. we brought Is you this back where for, we fight? Yeah, we, well, we brought him back for a second interview so you could be involved <laughs> in the process this time, Stephen. I, I like the intro. It's like one corner you have me, one corner you have Harry, and then you're gonna bring out like a bell out of <laughs> out of the mess behind you in your in your baby ridden home. This and... is the fight for <laughs> this is the fight for not who gets to stay on the podcast, but for who gets to record whenever I'm too busy. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> with the baby. That's uh, cool. Joker breaks the pool stick and makes him fight for the spot. <laughs> That's, right. That's it. Me and Steve right now. What? That's it. If you guys had one non-lethal weapon, what would you bring out to a fight? Can't be can't be a gun or a knife. Would it be a football helmet? Mason Rudolph football helmet? <laughs> I think a nunchuck, right? Those, <sighs> that could be probably lethal, and I don't have training with that. You know, that's, you know which pretty bad. Which one of the mutant ninja teenage turtle weapons was the best? Oh, I'm not as old as you, David. I can't hey, talk. Hey, you're, you're dating me a bit here. I, <laughs> Are you guys I, serious I, right now? This kind of hurts. This kind of hurts. You know, Leonardo had the stick, had the big long stick. Raphael had the little three pronged, three pronged thingies. I uh, don't know what they were. Oh, Donatello, I think, had the uh, nunchucks. Sword. Oh, really? Oh no, Donatello might have had the sword. Yeah, and someone had the nunchucks. Wow, old well, man, this is old a man David giving us some, uh, wow. <laughs> you're, you're giving us a history lesson over here, oh, Professor Arnold. Man, yeah, I used to play it on the Super Nintendo, a little scrolling action game. Anyways, yeah. that was not a good conversation, that didn't go anywhere. That's okay, Grandpa, just keep going. Going places, however, <laughs> is the Michigan offense, I think, yes. I think surprisingly, much to my shock, and and maybe much to everyone else's shot considering the first half of the season, this team against Indiana this past week looked literally like everything I've ever dreamed a Michigan offense looking. You know, every single thing was clicking. Uh, I, I don't ever want to go back. I don't know what the first half of the season was, but um, this is a different Josh Gaddis, and I'm actually in love with this guy, whoever he is. Um... Uh, Harry, what are your thoughts on the Indiana game? I just think what the Indiana game shows is is consistent progression, as well as what happens when when you really are able to buy high quality four and five star athletes into your system. Did you say buy? Yeah, like okay, buy them into your system. Like they, they're bought into the system. Yeah, yes. How how much money do you think Michigan's paying? <laughs> I mean, I can tell you, like they're up there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's another conversation for a different day, but the the route running looks more precise. It looks like they're finally starting to understand the the purpose of the different route combos, the precision there. And at the end of the day, it's also Shea's just giving guys 50-50 balls and the chance to make a play. You Sometimes guys aren't going to be wide-ass open. We see with 
Nico Collins and DPJ, sometimes the best thing you can do is just give them a 50-50 ball. I, I, was, so, I was so concerned Shea was just not going to end up being the finished product that he always had the potential to be, but wasn't quite showing through the first year and a half at Michigan. And then all of a sudden, really, he's just been fantastic and phenomenal over the past few games. Steven, we talked about before the season potential breakout players. We talked about Giles Jackson. We talked about Mike Saren still. We talked about Ronnie Bell. Turns out all three of them are fantastic. What do you think has been the biggest progression that this offense has made over the past six weeks? Over, over yeah. this entire season, but what what is the thing that has made this team really explode into this type of offense? The thing we always wanted yeah. to see. Yeah, I think the thing that, thing that stands out to me is uh, Michigan always had the speed. I mean, DPJ is extremely fast, brought in the slot guys that were really, really quick. I mean, Giles Jackson has the quickest shuttle time, the fifth quickest in, since the, I think, like 2000 like seven since that year he has the fifth fastest shuttle time in all draft combine uh recruits out of college and that's coming into michigan so the speed was always there the thing that uh that has opened it up is it now feels like we have the space how how often both last year and early in the year did it seem like we were just just constricting ourselves to running uh charbonnet 35 times against army, you know, for, so, for seemingly no year? reason. Yeah, began this year. I, I mean, so that, that was last year, but then also like beginning of this year, you know, where it, it like, it felt like Michigan was running things that were overly like, like we weren't making things easy on ourselves. That's and, exactly. It definitely felt like that at the beginning of this year. Just nothing was easy. And like, almost like purposely. Yeah. So it was like, it was like, we were just self-sabotaging. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I think we finally, we finally found the perfect balance between Harbaugh always wanting to establish the run um, and Gaddis being able to be comfortable with the personnel that he has. And I think it's a good mesh of both offensive philosophies. And now we're seeing like the actual space combined with the speed, being able to attack the field not only vertically, but laterally now that opens up a lot. We saw so many screens in like week seven, week eight uh, against Notre Dame, Penn State. We start started to see a lot more lateral action and that really opens up a ton. We I don't think I've ever seen a Michigan team, at least since I've really started paying attention no. uh, a, like under Harbaugh, where if the run isn't working, we don't just keep piling on. We we find other ways to make it work, and we take what a defense is giving you. Michigan State, they have number number 10 defense, according to S&P, and they're that way because they're going to stop the run. And your success is based off of taking what they give you based off of their, their defensive philosophy. So it finally feels like with with what defenses are trying to do, Michigan has the options now to say, okay, we'll, we'll take, you know, we'll, we'll give Shea Patterson 30 some something passes and he'll pick up, you know, five touchdowns and, and close to 400 yards. And I, that's, I literally never thought I was going to see that day come. And I thought it was going to happen this year. And then it wasn't happening. I was like, I was like, yeah. we're literally never going to see this in Michigan. It's never going to happen. Harry, <clears throat> I think you were always a little bit more bullish than I was about this offense clicking at taking time. Are you surprised that the offense is actually looking this good right now? Or do you think it's product of just playing bad teams the past few weeks? 
No, I, I don't think that's it at all. I, I think it's just things are starting to click and the confidence is there. And if you even look back to the Wisconsin game, I mean, how many screenshots did we see of a wide open Ronnie Bell or DPJ or Nico Collins with the caption? If Shea just could have gotten them the ball here, yeah. it been big yards. Okay, that that happened pretty frequently, at least two or three to my uh, to my knowledge. So it's all the pieces have, have sort of been firing at different times early in the year, but now they're they're starting to fire on the same page. Yeah. Where it's big plays, that's where the big plays come into effect. That's where the mistakes really start to get minimized. And I mean, Shea has been terrific. Like I'll say it again. I think the oblique was a much bigger deal early in the year than anyone realizes. And now I, yeah, I was so, I was so desperate for McCaffrey to get some playing time. And now I'm nervous. He might not be as good as Shea next year, but that's, that's another day for another conversation. One thing that really struck me watching the Indiana game, it's a testament to a lot of different factors. I don't ever think I can ever remember a wide receiver receiving corpse look this good all there's so much depth in the squad at wide receiver there are like six guys deep that i think are all nfl players i, I was thinking you know back to the days where it was, it was um oh gallon and uh roundtree yeah jeremy gallon and roy roundtree even the the darbo and uh Oh, who, who's Chesson? Chesson, yeah, the Darbo and Chesson guys. We have a lot of really good wide receivers at Michigan over the past decade or so. But we have so many guys right now that are just so dependable. I cannot believe how good and talented our team is. Nico, I mean, that streak across the middle that he turned into like a 60, 70 yard pass touchdown, it, you know, it was reminiscent of the old days and Anthony Carter's play, what, 40, 50 years ago, the streak across the middle and then Jet for a touchdown. Uh, the hands on Donald Peoples Jones and the catch in the corner of the end zone was unbelievable. Ronnie Bell had a similarly unbelievably great catch. Saren still had a catch on the sideline that was maybe a 30 yard pass, um, or at least across the field, maybe total 30 yards. Uh, he made an unbelievable catch. And all these guys are just so dependable. I cannot remember the last time, if ever, Michigan has had. Six deep of just purely dependable guys. Is there are there any years or eras of Michigan football you guys can think of that that really bring back this kind of ability? I mean, I, I think two thousand six. Yeah, with Manningham, Steve Breston, Adrian Arrington. I think those were all guys that were a few years before their time. Where if if we put Steve Breston in football in like this day and age. I think it makes a significantly bigger yeah. impact than what he did. And they were, in my opinion, they were all fantastic. And that's probably the last team I can remember just having dependable and playmaking wide receivers that go minimum three deep. Yep. I mean, we just go so deep. Giles Jackson, Saren Stone, Ronnie Bell by themselves could be, could be starter, like the starting three wide receivers on on like 80% of the teams in the NCAA right now. I don't yep. think I'm wrong in saying that. It's just like, I trust all three of them starting next year. Who, who do you think is the weakest link, Harry? I see you shaking your head. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that there's a really a weak link. I think Sanders Hill and Giles Jackson are, are very dependent on which offense they're in. 
I don't think they're guys you throw over on the flank and run deep posts. So, I mean, I, I love Giles Jackson. But he is unbe- he's you know, just unbelievably quick. Is, honestly, I think he's probably our second best receiver. Giles? No, 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 Ronnie Bell. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, Ronnie Bell has the stats to back it up this year. That's the thing is, I mean, Nico Collins is legitimately an All-American. I mean, like, is genuinely an All-American looking like Braylon Edwards. Uh, reminded me of Braylon Edwards in a lot of different ways. And then just with that size and ability uh, to get up there. And then Peoples-Jones. The thing is, the, that's weird about Peoples-Jones is he does, doesn't have the statistical background. You know, He doesn't have the breakout Unless he's playing Michigan State. He, he doesn't really have the big breakout moments like you would really want or expect from him. But he's just such a talent. Uh, and then Tariq Black. Do you think how many of those three between Tariq Black, DPJ, and uh, Nico are coming back next year? I think it's silly to think that uh, Collins will come back just because he made himself a lot of money against Indiana. <laughs> I think DPJ is ready for the league. Um, main thing is I see him as like a a round three player, even though I think his talent is probably early second round. So I I think he's still gone just because it's hard to pass up, you know, a third round draft pick. Um, I think Tariq Black uh, could get picked up now if he went to the draft, but honestly he needs to come back just for uh, extra targets because with just – what Harry was saying, the the system in place, you need like two outside guys, and then you can have I consider Ronnie Bell who a guy who could be on the outside, um, and he will be next year. But he's kind of that uh that hybrid guy who can be either in the slot or on the outside. And then you have your two kind of slot jitterbugs with Jackson and St. Ristol. So there's not really a spot given how established Collins and DPJ are now for Treat Black. Uh and next year he'll have a chance with uh, Ronnie Bell to really break out uh, similar to kind of a, a you know mixture of, of DPJ and Collins. That's his skill set, right? I don't, th- I don't expect <laughs> him to be as, as dominant as, yeah. uh, as, as Nico Collins. Um, but well, after his freshman year, you thought he would have been the one who was playing like Nico Collins is now. I don't yeah. think, I don't think it's completely out of the question. I, when I see him catch ball, sometimes I do, I mistake him from Nico. Quite often, um, yeah, similar stature. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm I'm bullish that we might get both DPJ and Tariq Black back next year. Only, only because be DPJ most, has yeah. the he he might be that co- that one out of you know ten or eleven that's like a college guy. Yeah, with the whole medical school stuff, whatnot. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's very into academics, so I could I could see that. Yeah, I actually think there's probably a better shot we get DPJ back than we do Tariq Black. I think that Tariq Black might be a really under-the-radar transfer risk. I think um, with the amount they've been using Cornelius Johnson lately, I think they're trying to get him the reps. I think he might be taking some of his targets. I know there were issues with Tariq Black and Josh Gaddis early in the year. So I would actually, I feel much more bullish about Donovan Peoples-Jones than I do Tariq Black coming back. I, I, think, I, think, I think it's I think, a hot take. 
Nico should go. Yeah, Nico's gone for sure, and he should. I mean, 100%. Tariq, I think, will go to the NFL before he transfers because I think he's he's on the precipice of being a fit, you know, fourth through sixth round pick if he enters the draft this year. Um, the, the issue about him, though, is, and I think it's similar to Nico Collins, I don't see Nico Collins, like, being that solid at a combine. Like, Collins doesn't come across as, like, a super strong guy. He probably will run, like, maybe a 4-7. Nico maybe, doesn't like, come across six, as a seven. super strong guy? I don't, see, he, so, he, looks so, like, to me, he looks to me like a, like a Mike Evans. I see. I don't. Or like I don't a Mike, know. or like, or like Syracuse Mike Williams, if you remember him. I think he, yeah, I think he'll do well in, like, in actual drills, like catching drills. I think he has incredible hands. Uh, he runs really nice routes. I just don't think he's like a pure speed guy. He's going to be a possession guy in the NFL. A guy who's a uh, jump ball specialist. A guy who will always catch whatever's thrown at him. He has a huge catching radius. I just don't see him as a like really good tester and what you need if you're not an exceptionally good tester you need numbers you need actual game film for that and I think Tariq Black is kind of in that same mold he's a little faster but I don't see Tariq Black especially with the two injuries he's had he has a lot to prove that like he's actually worth a draft pick versus you know like a smaller school who has a guy with a lot of production, I might take him over Tariq Black right now. I think Tariq Black is going to look better at a combine than Nico will or would. Sure, but he won't won't look as good as DPJ. Not even even close. Is anyone looking as good as DPJ in, you know, spandex? Uh, Whoa. Yeah. Hey, I'm just (laughs) – hey. Let's just call it like it is. This is just a PG-13 podcast. Put 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 him on roller skates. Throw him on spandex. So <laughs> skate through the combine. That was a good video. That was a great that was a good video. video. That was an amazing video. I watched like five different times. I was like, you're the man, DPJ. You're the man. All right. Let's, you know, we've had a lot of happy talk. A lot of happy thoughts. I'm ready to start going down towards a darker path. For the oh, rest of this podcast. Can, I, can, I, can I put one stat before we go into doom, doom land? Yeah, make us happy. Okay. Wait, wait, so let, me, let me crack this open here. Uh, let me enjoy this very last uh, happy. Is thought. this a claw? You're, you're clawing us. Oh, it's a. You do that claw. on the podcast. <laughs> I have to. You can't drink a claw and open it on the podcast without me informing the listeners Listen, what you're actually doing. I'm, I'm packing on the fatherly 15 right now. So any oh, any cut in the calories I can, I gotta I gotta do it. Continue. Okay. Make me happy yeah. while I drink this claw. Yeah. Yeah. So, so after week six, yeah, after week six, Michigan's offense was ranked 53rd in the SB plus rankings since week seven, which was, uh, the Penn state game. That was week seven. Michigan is now up to, uh, let me see here. 20, 26 on offense. So they climbed 27 spots, which there's lots of advanced metrics that can, uh, that can. I'm not a statistical analysis guy, so I I can't tell you that. But in order to go from 53rd to 26 in a matter of six games, and those games were Penn State, who had the number 10 ranked defense, against Michigan State, who had the number 12 ranked defense. Indiana had like around number 40 defense. uh, And there was one other game. 
Yeah, yeah. Which is another you like, you so top, you at least have to have a top ten offense to jump to double would, your spots, right? Like, I would say you're having closer to a top five offense in order to do that. Because, I mean, if you take the average, uh, yeah, I won't I won't get into this just stats there, but but you, I think you have to be performing at a top five offense in the nation to get there. Right. So. Right. Combine that with Michigan's defense, who's number five right now in SP plus ranking as well. And if you take like the number five offense, let's say, and number five defense, you're looking very similar to Alabama, who has number three offense, number six defense right now. I'm not saying Michigan's Alabama. I'm just saying if you're looking at the statistics, that's a similar team that is performing at those levels. Do you have anything happy to add to that area? Uh, yeah, so speaking of that, do either of you guys know how many touchdown passes Shea Patterson needs in these next two games to set the all-time single-season touchdown record at the University of Michigan? Oh, man. In the next two games? So in the next two games. Bowl game in Ohio State. Does Chad Henney hold the other or hold the previous? He does or? not. Elvis Gerbach holds it. Oh, man. <laughs> Yikes. That tells you how, how archaic our offenses have been. He needs like six, maybe. I was gonna guess four. <laughs> he only needs five. That's crazy. He needs five touchdown passes in the next two games to set it. And I, I mean, I would bet a lot of money he does. I bet a lot of money, regardless of what happens next week. Uh, they'll try and get it in the bowl game, but, um, but yeah. So that that stuck out to me because Chad Henney, I think, has the second, third most touchdown passes in a single season, but Shea's got twenty-one and. He's right there. That's incredible. So, yeah, Shea is peaking. The Gattis offense is peaking. I mean, this is just completely different than anything I was expecting halfway through. Um, although I did admit on Twitter like four weeks ago I was wrong. I just pointed that out there. After the Penn State game, I said I was wrong. Just clearing my name for all the hate I threw at the end of the year. I, I did say That's after true. the Penn you're, State game. No, you were a salty it was, boy. It was unacceptable. It was they were self sabotaging yeah. themselves. It was it's completely different than what they're doing now. Gaddis yeah. definitely a learning curve, and I can accept it now looking back. But in the moment, it was unacceptable, and that's that's the thing. This is I was talking to my dad about this. Every iteration of the Ohio State Michigan game feels a little bit different, and just different enough beforehand, where Michigan plays well enough leading into the game in different ways every year where I still have hope and I still believe that they might be able to beat Ohio State. Um, you know, I clock out after the first loss, and I'm like, oh, here we go again. This is going to be a long year, capped by an Ohio State loss. And then they, they play a little bit better. They show us some different things. Oh, their defense is the top defense in the nation this year, so maybe we have a chance. It's at home this year, maybe yep. we have a chance. This year, the offense is peaking, playing unbelievable. The defense is playing out of their minds right now. Um, uh, maybe not compared to previous years, but this defense I think is more exciting to watch because of the different things they do. Um, where they're not just the standard old shutdown defense of the past years. Uh, we got crazy Don Brown now. Um, anyways, I feel good about the team heading into Ohio State, which is not a thing I was mentally prepared for six weeks ago. I was ready to accept that we were going to lose to Ohio State this year. I had mentally given myself the, the okay, the green light, to to bury my emotions. 
and watching the game knowing what was going to happen, especially after the Wisconsin game. And now I feel like there's hope. So, guys, tell me, should should I feel? What what should my feelings be? What are your guys' feelings about the Ohio State game this week before before we delve into anything too analytical? Stephen, uh, how are you feeling? I'm going to defer to Harry. I want to hear what Harry has to say first. Harry, you're on the spot. This is oh, your yeah. second so, interview. You're in person right now. Okay. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel really good about the game coming up. I you really failed. do. You're not getting the I, job. I'm sorry. I told, That's too positive. I told Gary back in September that if Ohio State beat Penn State, I, I thought we'd win the game. Do you guys know the last time Michigan was ranked in the top 10 going into the game at home? 2003. 2003. Chris wow. Perry, baby. Chris Perry, that was the last time. If you look at 2006, one versus two, Columbus. Um, 2016, two versus three, Columbus. Last year was three versus five in Columbus. It's the first time Michigan's been a top 10 team at home against Ohio State. Can, can I tell you, I, I remember 2003 like it was yesterday. And I remember 2011 like it was yesterday. I mean, like, they're both so vividly in my mind celebrating. 2011, my family was all in the living room when Blake Countess intercepted a Braxton Miller pass to end the game, to seal the Courtney game. Avery. And we all jumped. And Courtney Avery. It was, oh, did Blake Countess tipped it, though. Courtney Avery intercepted. I think so. I think, I think so. Um, and we all jumped, hugged. We were like jumping and hugging in a group. And I, I will literally never forget that moment. Ever. As long as I live. I just need that to happen like once every three years and I'd be happy. Yeah. Once every three years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, Harry. All right. You're bringing some more positivity. This is terrible. I don't like yeah, this. No, I like last year, I could not have been more fearful and scared for the game. I thought that. Ohio State teams with with their backs against the wall and they can really just unleash the talent uh, at home is one of the scariest things you can get. And all my fears kind of came to fruition. Um, I really haven't felt this good in a long time. Twenty sixteen is probably as close, but that was still going into Columbus. I this mean, is Ann Arbor, a mentally tougher team, um, a team that's been tested quite a bit. Ohio State really hasn't been tested to the point of at all. At all. I mean, all their they had two games. They've been at home. Yeah, it's it, it's actually something that I feel really, really good about. Um, I still think Ohio State will be and should be favored, but I would put the spread like if I were to do it at like three and a half four instead of eight and a half nine. See, I, I'm very confident, Stephen. Harry is so young, so naive, because you know what the big problem is? He has feelings about this game still. He feels things before yep. the Ohio State game. Harry, yep. one simply doesn't feel things about, about the Ohio State-Michigan game. I, I, I've seen it too many times. I don't, I don't feel. I don't feel. that I, I set myself up to get hurt. You do. And... I mean, it, and it hurts. It really hurts. But um, that's going to make the win so much sweeter. Uh, I'm <laughs> you not, know, I, I swear I've said that for the last eight years. I've, 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 I've done mean, the same but, thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very, very pessimistic going into this game. But for some reason, 
like for some weird reason this year feels different because Michigan's now the team with the the back against the wall with all the talent there. Ohio State's been uh, I mean Justin Fields a little banged up, um, nothing serious, but you know they had their big emotional senior day last week. Came out firing on all cylinders against Penn State. I think it's really hard to get emotionally prepared two games in a row without having a bit of a flat start in one of them. Um, you guys ever seen the movie 500 Days of Summer? Yes, sir. Yes. Harry Hillman is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And uh, <laughs> my friend, you can't fall for the cute Zoe Deschanel's of the world just because Michigan looks good the week before the Michigan-Ohio State game. You have to know reality is going to hit. She's going to fall for another guy who's much better than you, and they're going to be engaged within a week. By the end of the Ohio oh, State game, she's gone. Yeah, Ohio, Ohio State's already got a, a date with – uh, you know, the Big Ten Championship trophy coming up. Yeah, so. yeah. Harry, it's sweet. <laughs> it's sweet. We'll, you know, we'll keep you just because you're going to be hurt in a few days and, and we'll need to to really break you in. Well, welcome to I the mean, family. Again, I've, I've been a fervently passionate fan for 15 years, and I've been repeated. Like, I remember crying after the 2006 game. I remember just being silent for – the rest of the day after 2016, uh, through I, last year, I threw my phone against the wall after the blocked punt, broke my phone. <laughs> I, like, was, I was I was emotionally dead a long time before last I, year. Last year, when the blocked punt happened, I like just threw the phone against the wall, ended up like shattering it, and so so I'm well prepared. This is good. This is good. This is good. Actually, I've got a question for Steven in a minute, but I'm going to throw up this prop. What was the moment that officially broke you for the Michigan-Ohio State game? I can tell you mine very, very vividly. I've been broken and emotionally not invested as much as I should be since the Devin Gardner failed two-point conversion back in 2013. 2012, 2013, I think. 2013. Because um, I told my dad I wasn't going to watch the game. I said, I'm not going to watch the game, Dad. I'm not, I'm not going to. But it just so happened. like My plans fell through. And I was like, I'm just going to watch the first drive. And I was pacing in and around my house for three hours. Because Michigan kept it close. Kept it close. Al Borges' best game he's ever called on offense. They kept it close. Kept it close. Scored that touchdown. And I was like, I don't want to watch this. I haven't wanted to watch this all day. I literally no part of me wanted to watch that game. My dad was like, "Just watch it. We have a chance. Two point conversion." And then you know they called the timeout, and then they ran the same exact play they're going to run before, and and it failed. And Devin Garner's laying there, and I was laying there right beside him on my floor, but right beside him, <laughs> right next to the TV, I was laying there, dead. I think that's what killed me. That was the game that really killed me as a fan, Stephen. What was the moment from the Ohio State game that really killed you? When did you That was die? last year, man. <laughs> yeah, that was last year. I was there. I was there at the game. Oh. Um, no season uh, looked better for it than than last year. I mean, uh, it was <laughs> the perfect narrative. It was the, um, you know, Chase Young, you had Devin Bush, 
Rashawn Gary, a bunch of guys who were for sure going to the NFL. Everything was on the line. It was a game to go to the Big Ten Championship. Um, yeah, man, it, the revenge tour was, was full and well. It was going, and uh, Ohio State's offensive line just came out of the ashes from being a terrible offensive line all year and then literally fielding probably the best game of all of their careers against Michigan. And uh, it just didn't make sense, man. All of the analysis that I had done all season, everything I watched of Ohio State, and I watched a lot of Ohio State that year, nothing made sense uh, leading up to that game. And uh, I think it just shows that there's there's just a difference in – preparation that Ohio State does all year um, that I just I just can't be confident that, ha- that hasn't shown itself at Michigan this year or, or until this year at least uh, like we just have never not seen it under Harbaugh I totally agree with you sorry that's true and this is the first time that we've actually admitted to like watching OSU like prepping for them while there were still other games on the schedule Don like, Brown has so- been talking about since get, he got he got embarrassed, he was personally embarrassed last year by the Ohio State game, right? I mean, like like any defense coordinator who gives up sixty plus points in a rivalry game should probably be fired. Except for Don Brown, built up you know has built up a reputation and a career worthy of not being fired. But pretty much yep. anyone else in any other situation, and you're totally right. He's he's been very oddly confident. And talking about this game for for a while now, and it says, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not supposed to feel good about this. No, the the no. The, the narrative no. is so pro Ohio State this year. Right? It is. It's so pro Ohio State that that like maybe I'm talking myself into like maybe maybe because we can catch them off guard. Maybe because they're overconfident. A lot of things. I, I shouldn't. This is what I'm talking about. Every year, it's a little bit different. To make me believe a little bit more. When just get slapped down. Can I tell you though. The sweetest thing about this game. If we were to win. If I could even let myself dream for a minute. If if the clock strikes zero. And Michigan beats Ohio State. I, I know. Just let yourself believe and dream for a minute. I want. ABC. To put a second camera in the corner of the screen. And I want to be zoomed in on Greg Madison's fucking face. <laughs> for the next half an hour, I just the I love Greg. He's he's the best recruiter, but he's the freaking he's worst. I mean, twice he's you know snake. he left he left Michigan for Notre Dame the year before Michigan won the national title, or was it the year after the year before, and then he left and Michigan for Ohio State. He left Michigan for Notre Dame and Ohio State. So here, here's the thing that that sucks for me going into this game. Yeah, help for me. Ohio, I, I need to not believe. I need to believe less. Yeah. Help me, Steve. Here you go. The only reason that I have any sort of belief is for Ohio State. It literally doesn't matter. It does not matter outside of the rivalry. It has no impact on their chances, win or lose. If they lose the Big Ten championship, they're still probably not in. They could lose to Michigan win uh, in the Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis, still get to the playoff. If they win, you know, they'll probably still get in with a loss in the Big Ten Championship. But uh, it just doesn't matter. Like, for their end goal, it, it they're already in the Big Ten Championship. And that's the only hope that I hold 
is their aspirations are a conference title and a playoff spot. And that doesn't involve Michigan at all. The other side of it is that this is the best team, not just Ohio State team, best team in the SP Plus history, which is back to 2011. They, they, have they, haven't, they haven't played anyone. Like genuinely, hey, they, they played Penn State and Wisconsin at Ohio State. I know. It, I don't. It, I know. Analytics don't care, right? They don't care. Yeah. Ohio State Alabama? has not questioned. Has not been questioned at all. Who has Alabama played? Right. Alabama has played literally nobody. They lost the only decent okay. team on their on their decent schedule. Decent in top five, top two. Okay, but sure. I agree. But I agree. even I agree. even taking that into account. And the distance between Alabama and LSU, which is four points, Bama is actually ranked four points ahead in SP Plus uh, than LSU. OSU is ranked four points ahead of Alabama. Yeah, they haven't been this, touched. Yeah, they're they're in, they're the best team since 2011, according to advanced statistics. You have a quarterback throwing 70% completion, 2,300 yards, 33 touchdowns, one interception. They have. He ran the ball for 445 yards, and then you have a future probably first or second round running back in J.K. Dobbins, who literally hasn't had to do pretty much anything, and he's still having an incredible season. You, it, It's a juggernaut, man. I, this is a game where I feel like Ohio State um, could play a B to B-plus game. Michigan could play the best game over Jim Harbaugh's entire tenure. And Ohio State could still win the game by ten. Yeah, that, this, like that's 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 so it. Like that's where I'm at. Looking after after last year's game, going into this year's game, these are this is the one thing I know. Here, you can tell me what you think after I say this. I know Ohio State is going to score on their first possession. Why? Because it's a Don Brown trademark that Michigan teams struggle in the first possession and then adjust. Right, so so especially you know, and that's a script. Teams that script against Don Brown are great in the script, and then as soon as the script loses the plot, Don Brown ends up dominating more times than not. Things about Ohio State last year is they after the script they kept on dominating. It was like they had an entire game script. So I I know two things. Ohio State is going to score on their first touchdown drive on their first drive. I have literally no doubt about that. It's gonna be seven nothing. Mentally prepare yourself. 7 nothing within the first five minutes. Second thing I know, it's probably going to be 14 to nothing within the first 10 minutes. That's that's another thing I can just... Ohio State's offense is just so dominant, it's going to take a while for Michigan's defense to adjust. The thing that gives me hope is the offense has been playing so well. If Michigan can keep it within 10 points at halftime... If the defense can adjust, if you saw Penn State's defense ended up adjusting to Ohio State after the first quarter, and that was the first time all year Ohio State had really even been questioned after the first quarter, because um, it was twenty-one nothing going into the fourth quarter. I think at least at least halfway through the third quarter, uh, Penn State's defense adjusted and their offense started playing a little bit better. If Michigan can keep it within ten points by halftime. There's a chance, but Ohio State is gonna roll. I mean, their offense is just gonna roll the first two possessions, and it's up to Don Brown to do Don Brown wizard things. And from that point, from that point, who knows? But but that is the the one thing I don't even think that gives me hope. But at least I can understand a path where Michigan potentially wins. Harry, what do you think about that? 
I'm actually of the complete opposite thought as you on this. You're so young and naive. I love it here. So the last last few weeks, especially when Michigan's played, um, Michigan State, Indiana, they've played teams that they're far and away better than, that those teams are significant underdogs, and we're really opening it up and, and getting after it against a better team early on. I think... Michigan is going to do a similar thing on defense, whereas they're going to empty the playbook. I think what I'd be worried about is after, because I don't think Ohio State will score on their first two drives. See, that's thing. Ohio State opens the playbook. Ohio State does it for Michigan, no matter how good they are, no matter how bad Michigan is. They wait until Michigan to open up their playbook every year. Rather than the last couple years, Michigan has been very, very vanilla defensively against teams they don't need to get exotic against. The defense was very, very lined up and kicked their ass against Indiana and Michigan State. I think they're saving some of the really interesting wrinkles, some of the really uh, exotic looks for Ohio State. And I think how they adjust after throwing the first punch, the first two punches is going to determine the rest of the game. It wouldn't shock me if Michigan's up like 10-3 after the first quarter. But, (laughs) I mean, you laugh, but Michigan came out, fired, and busted their ass in the first half in 2018. Yeah. Busted their ass in the first three quarters in, uh, or not 2018, 2017, 2016. It was like 9-6 at half in 2015. That wasn't Don Brown. But, and then... Yeah, last year was a shit show, but I think we're letting last year have way too big of an impact on how we feel about Ohio State when there's a much bigger track record of Don Brown having an incredible amount of success against Ohio State. You know, I I don't disagree with you. In fact, I think you're incredibly prescient to, to say the thing you're saying, to analyze it the way you're analyzing it. And I am 100%, not even last year, but just the overall track record of wins and losses versus Ohio State, I, I, I can't allow myself to view this game through a subjective lens. I can't. I can't. But in one one aspect, I think you're totally correct with, Don Brown definitely has waited until this game. I think he's he's been he's been scheming for this game all year, and he's been open about it, right? And one of the things I think is partially true, is Michigan had so much talent when Don Brown got here as compared to Boston College, as compared to UConn, et cetera, et cetera. And Greg Madison was also here, the former defense coordinator. So he already knew the talent. Don Brown vanilla down, watered down his scheme and his schemes with the Michigan defense because he didn't have to do all the things he did at Boston College and all the things he did at UConn. I mean, he still blitzed a ton, and he's still pretty crazy with it. But, but he's gotten back to being crazy this year with a lack of, of really great defensive tackles. Um, you're just seeing bringing him from different angles, the blitzes. This is a guy who who's coaching possessed right now. The same way you talk about players playing possessed. Uh, he, he's maniacal about this game. And I do think it's true that this defense is going to be up for this in a way they haven't before. And... Ohio State had Dwayne Haskins last year and the year before that for part of the game and Cardale Jones going before that, prior before that. 
And those are guys against Don Brown who... Don Brown came in to be the Urban Meyer quarterback killer because at previous stops, he dominated against running quarterbacks, against spread quarterbacks. Those were the guys he he dominated. The past first guys is not what Don Brown made his name against. He made his name against mobile quarterbacks who passed secondarily. Justin Fields is a great passer, but has he been challenged as a passer? We don't really know. He's he's the best athlete on the field. That's what makes him dynamic. And that's the type of thing that Don Brown specialized in before he came to Michigan. That gives me hope as well. That Don Brown saw Justin Fields and said, Oh, I've seen this type of guy before. I know exactly how to scheme against these guys. This is my bread and butter. If you if you can scheme against Justin Fields and, and turn his athleticism into a weakness of sorts and make him force him to rely on his athleticism, which I think is what Don Brown has done in the past against those type of quarterbacks. Rough him up by the third quarter. You know, he's feeling a little woozy. Don Brown at Michigan, I don't think they intend to hurt quarterbacks. But, you know, for the first two or three seasons, they they had this rate where they were knocking out 70% of the quarterbacks, you know, by the third quarter, fourth quarter. If you do that to Ohio State, you have them. They're vulnerable. If Justin, if Justin Fields' ankle is 70% instead of 100%, I think Don Brown is going to be feeling pretty feisty. I, I don't like this. I'm feeling good. Yeah, no, Why, don't do this to me, Harry. Baby, I don't like it, this. Steven, like, Steven, you're you're ready. Bring me back down to earth. Yeah, I think one thing that really concerns me is I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I haven't well, no, I, I'm bringing yeah. you back. I'm bringing yeah. you back. I, I don't, like know, I don't I know about Brad this. Hawkins. I don't know about Brad Hawkins' status. I think that's he's been a really reliant uh, defender for for Michigan and he didn't travel last week. Generally that's not a good sign whether he was, you know, doing, you know, some rehabilitation on whatever issue he has, but that's worrying. Not because first, because I think he's a great defender and he's been great all year. I think I'm more worried about it in pass coverage. We obviously know what happened last year with the crossing routes. That has been an issue this year, but with Brad Hawkins out, that's one less able body in the secondary that forces Dax Hill, who I think is completely able as a pass coverage safety. He's excellent. He is, you know, he's, he's a guy who will test well (laughs) when his time comes. Um, But it forces Vincent gray on the field and that's going to be scary. I think you have Levert Hill, who's cleared, you know, best corner on the team. Uh, Ambry Thomas is a slight step below. I think there's quite a step down to Vincent Gray. When you spread it out as much as Ohio State, you're going to have Gray on the field quite a bit. That's going to be the target for Ohio State this year. I think that's a big concern. I think a wild card for this game that I haven't seen too much discussion about is what will Josh Ross's role in this game be? We saw that Jordan Glasgow struggled a little bit. I think it was against Rutgers with one of their guys on the edge. There, Things you Jordan never Glass- want to hear for five hundred, Alex. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I don't. I think Glasgow is a phenomenal defender in Don Brown's offense. I think Ohio State is going to try to target um, getting Glasgow on Dobbins out of the backfield. <laughs> don't say don't, something like that. You know? Don't th- Glasgow Dobbins. I know, right? It's lit- literally the things nightmares are made of. Um, so I, I think the key is getting Ross in there for a lot of these passing downs. If you have both, you know, traditionally in the past couple of weeks where you've had McGrone and Glasgow, swap that out for getting Ross 
uh, with McGrone out there, you need as much speed as you possibly can. So I think that's the biggest wild card. The one thing, one glimmer of hope that I really like about the defense this year that lends itself well to a running quarterback is the lane integrity on pass rush. How many QB scrambles have we seen this year? Not a whole lot. Last year it was furiating. You would have extremely great coverage downfield and then a quarterback like Peyton Ramsey would just scramble around for 20 yards pick up a huge third down pickup continue with that for a second I think that's what the whole Don Brown not having the talent on the defense line that he had in the past this year has made him revert back to his own coaching tendencies which were very productive in their own right before he got all this talent in Michigan you would chase (laughs) with Winovich and Rashawn Gary you had two guys who you couldn't take off the field because they were so good. But also, they were so good because they pushed themselves upfield to take out the passing game quarterback. So regularly, it overexposed the defense so often. But you couldn't take them off the field because there's so much talent. And it's like, because you have Uche there, and you have great players still on the defense line, but it's a different skill set. And no guy is untouchable. They can't take him off the field. It's almost like it's allowed Don Brown to be himself as a coordinator. And that's something that kind of gives me more hope than than maybe not hope. I don't like hoping. Bring me back down to earth, Stephen. Finish your thought. I'm sorry. Yeah. Tell me. So I, I think we're going to see a lot less, um, like, just random QB scrambles where nothing's downfield and then <sighs> fields scrambles for 15 yards. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of that. There's a lot that will go into actually shutting down the design QB scrambles and QB runs that they actually have for fields. That's a whole different ball game in in entirety. But for the like third and long obvious passing downs, I trust this defensive line more to get consistent pressure. Maybe, I mean, definitely more than last year. Last year, pressure was just non-existent and there were some injuries going on there. So Regardless, I, I expect a lot more from this defensive line, not only in the pressure metric, but also not allowing the QB to leak out for big uh, like scramble plays. So that's like the glimmer of hope. But my if you were to ask me just like in one sentence, hey, what's going to happen in the Ohio State game? I would say Michigan plays the best game of Harbaugh's <laughs> tenure and loses by a touchdown. And, and somehow, somehow on fourth and short, Ohio State is gifted two extra yards by a referee um, when when Justin Fields was clearly short, right? Um, <laughs> no. Well, one last thing, one last thing. I Penn State game, that was not close. That was not close. You, you say that Penn State was in it. Ohio State fumbled three times. They what? gave away three fumbles, one right when they were about to score, and then two that set up Penn State beautifully in Ohio State territory. That's a completely ball game without those fumbles, and I'm pissed that Ohio State got that out of their system in the game before, uh, you know, the final game. And got out of their system or just exposed themselves by being no tough. man. Yeah, fumble. I obviously Great fumble luck. luck. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Harry, you're great with your with your optimism. You're great with your analysis. I appreciate Stephen. You're great with your analysis, and I more appreciate your. You're being humbled in the same way I've been, where we're just too pessimistic to even accept accept any positive news until we actually ever see it. This is <laughs> the thing I think about when I let myself dream about Michigan actually doing well. They have to stop an Ohio State 
quarterback in the way that they have not stopped an Ohio State quarterback since before Troy Smith. And Troy Smith was the start of it all. Uh, of, you know, the, the Jim Trestle quarterbacks torturing Michigan. Um, and Justin Fields almost has a skill set as close to Troy Smith as any quarterback since, I think. You, you know, every other quarterback since Troy Smith has, in their own way, been a dynamic quarterback, but not quite to the same level that Justin Fields has. He has all of the tools. Um, J.K. Dobbins has all the tools as a running back. He did rush it 36 times last week. I'm hoping for maybe a little bit of fatigue. Ohio State, <coughs> the end of this day, just cares about this game so much. And I almost felt like didn't care about it as much, as, or Michigan has not cared about it in the same way Ohio State has, up until hopefully this year. You guys know how much they care about it. I have a friend who works for the football team, and and he doesn't have a big role in the staff, but he's, he's on the football team. He got he's got a pair of gold pants, and he Snapchatted me the gold pants on Sunday. He said, "We're coming for you guys." Then he Snapchatted me on Monday a picture of every time. Oh, I, did, I guess it's Monday as we're recording. Every time Ohio State beats Michigan at the end of the year, they take one of the footballs from practice or a game and they give it to every single person on staff, every single player. He has a ball from the college football playoff. It's got the playoff logo and everything. You know what they did with it? They put a little white memorabilia strip on it and they put the Michigan Ohio State score on it. And they said, You are one and no versus Michigan in your time on the on the Ohio State football team. And it's a college football playoff ball. It's not even you know, it, it's beyond the Michigan game. They care about the game so much in every single facet of life. And I'm just hoping that the Michigan players and the coaching staff and the team are doing the same thing right now. Guys, you think that's a good place to wrap it up, or, or, or any any closing I've statements? More, I've got one more little thing as it as it pertains to Ohio State, and that's really that what they crushed Michigan with last year really isn't as available to them this year. I mean, they've got talent, but they lost uh, Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell to the draft, Johnny Dixon to uh, graduation. CJ Saunders is hurt. He wouldn't have played that big of a role, but like when it comes down to it, they've got Chris Olav and they've got um, KJ Hill and they have um, the freshman Garrett Wilson. And that's a lot of talent, but it's not the level of talent to the extent of getting four NFL caliber wide receivers out there to match one of them up with uh, Brandon Watson. So it's the the personnel matchup in the secondary is going to be a lot more even this year than it was last year, and it's it wouldn't shock me in the least if uh, you were mentioning what Josh Rolls uh, Josh Ross's role is going to be on Saturday. It wouldn't shock me if we see more of a four one six look of Michigan getting an extra safety out there to combat some of the crossing routes, some of the mesh concepts that Ohio State loves to burn us with. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if really Glasgow doesn't see much outside of special teams and short yardage. All right. I I like it, man. Harry, this is good. I'm gl- We needed you here tonight. We need you here because if Michigan somehow beats Ohio State, which isn't going to happen, I'm not going to let myself think about it. It, it, <laughs> it won't. But... If it did somehow happen, 
you're going to be on here Sunday with me and Steven, probably Saturday night, probably Saturday night and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. Probably for the next oh. 300 days in a row be podcasting about that game. Um, and I'll give you all the credit. I'll give you all the credit. Yeah. But, Steve but, and I are like the angel and the devil on your shoulder telling you yeah. where to go. That's right. That's That's right. Which is which yet. But. You know, it's funny because <laughs> you're wearing red for the Red Wings. Uh, Steven's wearing blue over there. And it's like reverse roles there. Right? You know, actually the devil is telling me to, that there's hope. That's, yeah, I think the that's, that's the thing to take I'm from that. The, the devil's trying to hurt me even more. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. It's been good, though. It's been good. Steven, thank you for coming back on the podcast. It's been a few yeah, weeks. Man. I've got, you know, this whole three-kid thing, man, it's just killing me. But we're going we're gonna to try Excuses, and, excuses. It is, it is excuses. <laughs> it's, it's not good. It's not good. We're going to pick it back up for basketball. If Michigan does end up losing to Ohio State, football never happened, and we're just going to start podcasting about basketball. Like, nothing yeah, ever that's happened. That's yeah. what I like to hear. We're back to <laughs> school when that happens. That's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> Harry, thanks for the positivity. We'll probably keep you around a little bit while longer. Uh, third ahead. interview, we'll bring Garrett in next time for, for the final interview. Steven, have a good one, man. Have fun training for, for your full marathons. Yeah, man. Just when you wake up on on Thanksgiving morning, just eat some extra turkey for me. I'll be I'll be dying on on some road out there, you know, in the in the cold. So we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. You're not gonna be watching the Lions, yeah, yeah, Lions, man. Yeah, there you go. All right. On that note, I think I hear a baby crying. Um, so Harry, you just tell your friends there on Twitter or, or whoever they are that, that I tried to keep the baby away for as long as I could. And, uh, call me out like that. I see. I see how it is. Yeah, Steve, I got, I get a text. My friends listen to the podcast. Like this motherfucker bring his baby on the podcast. <laughs> like, I don't believe it. <laughs> All right, my friends have a good one. I right. go blue. Uh, it's go been blue. the MGo fish show. Follow mgofish.com on Twitter at mgofish. Follow Stephen Asentoski on Twitter at Stephen Toski. Follow Harry Hillman on Twitter at HarrisonQuinn90. And follow me on Twitter at David Arnold Mish, M-I-C-H. Uh, kind of like David Arnold Michigan, but just Mish. Um, until next time, go blue and beat Ohio State for once. Beat Ohio State. Please, beat please em. give me what I want. Lord knows it'll be the first time since 2011. All right, go blue. Go blue. Beat him. Haven't had a dream in a long time. See the life I've had Lord knows it would be the first time Lord knows it would be the first time